I've come to the conclusion that you guys are all liars. Because everybody's like, oh, Canada, it's freezing. There's snow everywhere. You gotta... We were at Sam's or Costco in Kitchener yesterday, and they sold snowshoes. I'm like, Doreen, you ever live somewhere where you can buy snowshoes off the rack? Um, but it's like 70 degrees, so if you're watching online, ha, I'm in short sleeves. Jared's running around in shorts. He's a junior high guy, so he can get away with that. Um, but I know there's a lot of folks watching online, and we appreciate you being here. It's, it's interesting. I actually have had people reach out in the past couple of weeks, one from uh, Nigeria, one from India, um, one from the Ukraine, from California, who are all watching online. So if you're watching online, do us a favor and just type in the comments where you're watching from. We'd love to know where you're at so we can pray for where you are as you join us each week um, on Sunday morning or throughout the week if you go back and watch the message. So thanks for being online. Thanks for being in the room. And if you are online, we'd love to see you in the room next week if you can make that happen. Hey, will you just stand up with me as we look at God's word in Matthew 6? We're gonna read verses from Matthew 6, verses 17 through 13, as we kind of prepare our hearts to receive what it is that God has for us. So we're gonna start, I'm gonna start in Matthew uh, 6, 7 here. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the, as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Father, we know that as we come to you and, and hand this time and this space over to you, I just ask that you, God, the Spirit, would fill this room let every word that's spoken be filtered through you as it collides with ears. And let every word that's spoken that, that in, in ignorance or in error that is not the fullness of your truth, let them just fall to the ground and not, not meet any receptive ears or hearts or minds. And so this time is yours and we give it to you in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, you can have a seat. So I told you guys a couple weeks ago, if you're familiar with the Enneagram, I'm a seven on the Enneagram. And, and um, in that personality type, it, there's this desire for life to be fun. I just want stuff to be fun. I want it to be, be exciting and enjoyable. And so I have a tendency to make the moment light and fun when I feel tension and pain. And now here's what happens. This leads to me occasionally saying very stupid things or having really poor comedic timing. So, that's important to know as I tell you this story. So how many of you guys cross the border fairly regularly? Like shopping, whatever? Yeah, so quite a few. Um, so you know when you get to that booth, right? Now maybe it's just me, but I'm assuming it's all of us. You feel a certain level of tension when you pull up. Do you feel that? You're like, oh my gosh, here we go. And, and here's the thing. It reminds me, this, I'm gonna say it anyway. It reminds me of the Soup Nazi episode in Seinfeld. You guys feel that? <laughs> when you pull up and you're like handing your papers over? So, so every time I approach the booth, I get this picture in my head and this emotion in my heart of I'm approaching the soup Nazi in Seinfeld. So one time we're going to the States, we're going to do some shopping, and I thought, well, I'll just break the tension. So as we approach the booth, we pull up, 
and the guy on the American side is standing there looking at me, and I reached my hand out slowly with my passport, and I looked up at him, and I went, one large crab bisque, please? <laughs> yeah. He looked down at me, and he got this stern look on his face, and he looked kind of harsh, and he goes, no soup for you! <laughs> So I took a chance and it worked, right? It paid off. He laughed, we laughed, we all laughed. There was no body cavity search, it was all good. Um, But you understand that could have gone in a completely different direction, right? That could uh, could have ended poorly for us. Sometimes you encounter that guard who's hung up on just making sure that you know whose kingdom it is, right? And if you're watching online or you're in here and you're a border crossing guard, we got nothing but love for you, okay? Just know that, straight up. But here's what happens. We pull up to that booth and we're under the control and the power of a rule that demands that we conform to their will. That's basically what's happening, right? And as human beings, we just don't like that. I don't like it, you don't like it. We want authority over ourselves, over our time, over our desires. We wanna be in control. We wanna do and say what we want to do and say. Am I right? We just don't like being told what to do. And so authoritarian power leaves us in a place where we feel like we either have to run away or push back. When we start to think of an authoritarian person coming into our space and saying you must do this or you must do that, we have this tendency to push that back or take off and run away. That's what it feels like at the border crossing, right? You feel like you're going into this place where somebody has power over you and we kind of want to push back or just get through as quickly as we can because we're entering into a realm where someone else has absolute power and it creates anxiety. We get lost in it. And now here's the unfortunate thing. Many of us view God's kingdom that same way. We look at it and and we say, I don't want to be in a place where somebody has absolute power and authority. I want to be in a place where I can do what I want where I can say what I want. And so here's what you have to understand. The kingdom of God is the place where what God wants done is actually done. What he wants to happen actually happens. And so here's the problem. Because that's truth, because that's reality, when we think about the kingdom of God, oftentimes it produces some of the same angst in us that we feel when we go to the border crossing. We see the kingdom of God as a place where I have no autonomy, I can't make my own decisions, where I have no self-determination, I don't have any power. And so I wanna suggest that this view is actually the result of having a dim view, a low view of God's kingdom, and having a worldly concept of what it means to be under authority. Now imagine for a second that something happened inside me when I pulled up to the border and that my deepest desires all of a sudden became to align with the desires of the border authorities. Think about that for a moment. I'd actually want them to be cautious. I would want them to be faithful and diligent. I might even want them to be a little harsh with people so that they can identify those who would seek to do evil once they cross the border. If I wanted what they wanted, I'd be okay with them acting the way they acted, which is always for our best interest, right? The problem is they have authority, but they don't know us. And so it feels uncomfortable. When we're in a place where somebody has authority and no knowledge of us, we don't like it. 
We feel uncomfortable. And so I would actually be transformed in the kind of person who seeks what the border guards seek, security for all, and to have law-abiding citizens coming and going on a regular basis. And I think when we struggle with living in God's kingdom, it's because our desires aren't yet fully aligned with God's kingdom. If I wanted what God wants, I wouldn't feel that angst when his rule is beginning to be realized. We just simply think that sometimes we know better what will serve and satisfy us. And so when God comes along and says, hey, I want to serve you and I want to satisfy you, we go, yeah, I got it. I'm good. The problem isn't authority or power. The problem is misalignment. I want something that God doesn't want for me, yet God has power. And so here's the thing. Jesus gives us a way to actually resolve this issue of misalignment to help us see the kingdom as it is. It's what we call the Lord's Prayer or or the Our Father, and it shows us the kingdom of God. And really, it does it in two ways. First, it serves the purpose of revealing the nature of God's kingdom to us. The Lord's Prayer shows us what the very nature of God's kingdom is. And second, it shows us that God's kingdom brings to us what is actually best for us. And so knowing those two things, we can begin to let go of some of this angst, that similar type of angst that we might feel when we're crossing the border of somebody's got power, but I'm not sure they want what's best for me. It shows us why it's good and actually safe to align our will with God's kingdom. And so as we talk about God's kingdom today, just keep in mind that God's kingdom is the place where what he wants done is actually done. So my kingdom is the place where what I want done is actually done. Maybe a better way to say it is we as people build empires, God builds kingdoms. Unfortunately, for a lot of church history, we've been into building empires. Our empire. Put up our fences so our people stay here so that we have sway and influence. But that's not what God invited his church, his body into. He invited his church and his body into building his kingdom. And the way we do that is to align our wills, our individual wills with God's will so that what he wants done is actually done here in this space that we occupy. And so first we need to look at the nature of God's kingdom. And that nature, like I said, is revealed in the Lord's Prayer. The first word we need to look at is the word our. Jesus uses the word our to bring us to the realization that God's kingdom is corporate by nature. It's not an individual kingdom. So there's the big first contrast, right? The kingdom that Jesus is building is corporate. The kingdom that I'm building is individual. It's about me. And this invitation is for all. The invitation to live into God's kingdom is for everyone. That's why he uses the word our. Now you might be asking yourself, well, is this guy trying to say that everyone's saved? No, I'm not saying that. That's not what I'm saying. Although the evangelical heart in me hopes that salvation is universal. I hope everyone is saved. I don't see how anybody could say they love Jesus and then wish anyone would be in hell. He doesn't want it. I don't want it. But I believe the invitation is for all of us, but individuals have to accept the invitation. So God's kingdom, the hour of God's kingdom is made up of people, all of us being invited. Every person on the planet is invited, but not everyone says, I'll go. 
And so the hour is for those of us who have said, I, I accept the invitation, and I respond with a positive response to say, yes, I want, to, I want to be in your kingdom. In short, here's what I believe. I believe that salvation is offered to all, but not all accept it. It's just that simple. So the nature of God's kingdom is invitationally inclusive. It's not exclusive. Too often in God's kingdom, we talk about those who are on the outside of it instead of talking about the invitation that is for all. And so the nature of God's kingdom is corporate. If God invited all, why wouldn't we? If God has invited everyone into his kingdom, why wouldn't we? And so that's the word our, to understand the nature of God's kingdom, it's corporate. The second word there is father. So the next revelation of God's kingdom here is that it's ruled from the heart of a father, not from the heart of an authoritarian. It's a big difference. And then what kind of father rules this kingdom? Well, listen to this in verse 11 of Matthew 7. So if you, despite being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So we're dealing now with a kingdom that's ruled by a father, not an authoritarian. And oh, by the way, he's a perfect father, a good father, a father that wants what's good for us. And now here's the, the, the thing. I know in a room this size that many people had fathers who were not so good. And I also know that as human beings, we tend to filter our concept of God through the lens of our own fathers. In this verse here where God says, where Jesus says God is our father, he is not setting God up to compare himself to a poor earthly father, which many of us do. What he's actually doing, he's reclaiming the concept of fatherhood. He's reclaiming that concept from those earthly fathers that some of us had that failed to live out this type of fatherhood. So if you're in a situation where your concept of God as father is rooted in your concept of your earthly father who maybe did a poor job of it, understand that God isn't setting himself as another father, he's setting himself as the father. What he's saying is you would not have any issue with the word father if your father fathered you as I father you. Let's not turn that backwards. Because when we have a concept of God as Father that's filtered through our earthly Father, then we are going to struggle with trusting Him. We are going to struggle with believing that He wants what's best for us. So we have to understand that we're not gonna create an obstacle to trusting God by looking at our earthly Father and letting the title Father become an issue for us. We have to grasp that the father that God is is not the father any of us had, but it's the father he wished all of us had. And so the next word I want to look at there is heaven. I think it's important to note something here in the Greek. The word for heaven in the Greek in this verse is actually a word uranos. It's plural. It's not singular. It's an interesting thought. Literally, the best translation would be our Father who is in the heavens. The word in verse 10 where Jesus says heaven again, that's translated as heaven, is urano. There's no S on the end. Well, I-S. 
In the Greek, in the plural, there's is on, on the word uranos. But in the singular, there's no is on the end. So in verse 10, what he's talking about, heaven is singular, it's a place. In verse nine, when he says in the heavens, what he's saying is this place here, right here. For the, for the Hebrew culture, the concept of the heavens was a place where the stars and the sun and the moon and the air was. And so why does that matter? I'm gonna tell you why it matters. Remember last week when we said the good news of God, the gospel of God, is that he is dwelling among us? That's what Jesus is saying here in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who is in the heavens, dwelling among us right here. So when he's praying to God in this, he's praying to God who is present with him as he's present with us. So that's why that word being plural matters. Jesus is saying that we're praying to our Father who is dwelling among us now and here. Spiritually dwelling among us. So we are in his presence as we pray this prayer. So that's something else that we need to realize about the nature of God's kingdom that's revealed in the Lord's prayer is it's here. Right now, it's here. And so the next thing in verse 10 is these words, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This verse is requesting that God's kingdom come to the place where humanity is. Not that humanity go to the place where God's kingdom is. It's a big difference. And how does that kingdom come to us? By God's will being done on earth just as his will is done in the place of heaven. The singular place of heaven that location, that place that is a very real place. And so what Jesus is setting up here is that the world, the earth, the place where God dwells among us can actually look like the place where we will dwell with God one day. That's a novel thought, huh? I'd sign up, I'd go. And so God's kingdom then is available here and now and it's realized as his will is done here and now. So the kingdom of God is local. It's not just distant. So if you want to live in the kingdom of God, then you do this. You align your will with God's will. It's just that simple. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so there's the invitation. The nature of God's kingdom is a place where God dwells among us here and now. And if we want to abide and live in that place, then what we do is we align our will here and now with God's will. And then what happens is that things happen on earth just as they do in heaven. Be a different world, wouldn't it? That's the very goal of our ministry at Temple. James mentioned it earlier. That's the goal of our preaching and teaching here is that we would become people who are bringing about the kingdom of heaven in this space, aligning our entire lives around loving God and our neighbor, and in doing so, bringing the kingdom to earth. Having his will done here as it's done in heaven. Now here's one thing I know about heaven. I don't know a lot about heaven, but one thing I know about it, the only thing that happens there is what God wants. And so by aligning our wills here, we bring his kingdom into earth, practically, functionally. And so go back and think about the example of of how the border crossing would feel if my will was aligned with the will of the border agents. And that same idea holds true in this idea of God's will and the kingdom of heaven. 
Self-rule is actually realized in the most fulfilling way because our desires and our actions flow out of being created in God's image, not in trying to figure out who I am and getting what I want. And so to live God's will on earth as it is in heaven actually is the most satisfying thing we can do because it satisfies us at the deepest level of being a human being, somebody created in God's image. So now we get down to verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. This tells us that God's kingdom is a kingdom of provision. Daily provision. God provides for us every single day. He's providing for each of us in this room right now with every breath that we breathe. Listen to this. Philippians 4, 19. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. This idea of Jesus saying, when you pray, pray this way. Give us this day our daily bread. Paul comes back and says, yeah, because in Philippians 4, 19, Paul says, because Jesus is the source of providing for all your needs. Your needs will be met in God's kingdom where his will is done and your will is aligned with his. Then your needs get met. So then that begs the question then, right? Why then are there Christians who starve in the world? Why then are there Christians who don't get their needs met? because God's kingdom is not fully realized here yet. That's the simple answer. It's here, but it's not fully realized. If it were fully realized, we wouldn't need to pray constantly that it come. Our invitation is to invite the kingdom to come constantly. So it's here, but it's not fully realized. Therefore, because it's not fully realized, there are times when his people, us, we miss the boat. And we don't follow his commandments, his commandment to provide for those in need. And so here's something that's not very comfortable, but I'll ask it anyway. What if the answer to that question of why is there lack in the world was because God's people who could provide for his people who don't have aren't fully aligned with his kingdom? What if that's the answer? That's the answer we don't want. (laughs) So his will's not fully done on earth just yet as it is in heaven. And and as an oversimplification, it was never God's intention for his people to hold on to resources for convenience, comfort, or security while more of his people suffer lack. That's not his kingdom rule. And yet we all do it. We all do it. And so that's why we intentionally serve and give is to bring God's kingdom provision into the world of those who lack. And then Jesus goes on and says, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. God's kingdom is a kingdom of reconciliation. That's what forgiveness is. Forgiveness isn't simply a rubber stamp that says your debt's paid. It's a rubber stamp that says your debt's paid so that you can be reconciled with God and with each other. His kingdom is actually making all things relationally right. Now, I need to drop a caveat in here. Listen to this in Romans 12, 18. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with everyone. So the question is, does this mean that the nature of the kingdom is that I accept responsibility for every broken relationship in my life? No, it doesn't mean that. Paul said, if possible, as much as it depends on you. Implied in that is you can't fix every relationship. If possible, as much as it depends on you. Implied in that is you're not the reason every relationship is broken. There's another side to every broken relationship. That's the other person. 
We need to be meek. But if we accept responsibility for the actions of others, you know what that's called? Codependency. It doesn't work because codependency is actually insidious because here's what it does. It allows others to live into the mindset that they are not responsible for their bad choices and behavior. Now, if you think about that and stretch it all the way out, where does that lead? Because if I believe I'm not responsible for my bad choices and behavior, then what am I eventually gonna convince myself I don't need a savior? It's not my fault. I get it, you need a savior, but I don't because all of the things in my life are your fault. So reconciliation does not imply codependency. There is meekness, but there's not codependency. So in as much as it is up to you, and as far as it is possible, you reconcile those relationships. God's kingdom is not a place of codependency. So don't feel that I'm suggesting that you go out and you lay down everything just for the sake of reconciliation. We have to reconcile in a way that's healthy and growing for ourselves and for the other person. And then Jesus goes on and says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. God's kingdom is a kingdom of protection where God won't lead me into any temptation, but I can freely walk into it if I choose. So as much as God says, I'm not gonna lead you there, I still have the freedom to go, I don't need you to lead me there, I know how to find it myself. I'm just gonna roam right in there. Think of it this way. I can tell my kids, when you're driving, don't speed. They get a driver's license. Don't speed when you drive. But guess what? They can still choose to speed. Or they can choose not to speed. They have freedom. We have freedom in God's kingdom. God's kingdom is not a place of conquered will, but of submitted will. He doesn't beat our will down into the dust. He invites us to submit our will to him. He hasn't given us a will simply to take it back. So we're back to alignment, right? Aligning my will with his will. I may wander outside of God's protection into my own will, and I will find temptation there. However, he didn't lead me there. I just found it just fine on my own. So what we see in the Lord's Prayer is that God's kingdom is a kingdom of provision, of reconciliation, and of protection by nature. The nature of God's kingdom is provision, reconciliation, and protection. It's not a kingdom that we're dragged into, but one we choose to seek and submit our will to so that God's will is done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the revelation of the nature of God's kingdom. Provision, reconciliation, protection that we're invited into invited into living out in such a way that we bring his kingdom into earth and it's realized here the same way it's realized in heaven. So now we need to take a quick look at the purpose of God's kingdom. Back to verse 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The purpose of God's kingdom is simply to bring about what is best for us. Now what is best for us? God himself. So the purpose of God's kingdom is to bring about what is best for us and what is best for us? Him, here, now, with me, me living under his will, his authority, so that I can receive the provision and the reconciliation and the protection that he so desperately wants to give us back because that's what we had in the garden. In the garden, we had provision, we had protection, we had reconciliation. God walked with them in the cool of the day. He wants that back for us. 
That's why he wants his kingdom realized here. Not because he's some authoritarian who wants to make sure everything goes the way he wants. No offense, boarding guard, border crossing guards. But because he wants what's best for us. As a father who's good and safe. So basically what this verse says is I get heaven now to the degree that I align my will with heaven. How much of heaven do you want right now? Well, that's your choice. You want all of it? Align all of your will. You want some of it? Then align some of your will. You want none of it? Then align none of your will. But that's just the reality and the nature of it. And so for us, I think we want all of it. It may be presumptuous to me, but I think if you're in this room or you're watching online, you want all of the kingdom of heaven now. So I'm gonna start with that assumption. And so if you want all of the kingdom of heaven now, then the question you need to ask is how do I begin to align my will with God's will? Well, the first thing we do is we seek his kingdom in ourselves and that his will would be done in our own lives. That's the primary battleground of kingdom reality. This is it. The primary battleground for me in kingdom reality is this heart and this mind. The rest of the world is a secondary battleground. Now think about it. Which battleground do you think that the average churchgoer is invested in, the primary one or the secondary one? I think we spend a little bit too much time in the secondary one and not enough time in the primary one. We look around the world and say, that has to change and it shouldn't be this way. And, and in the States, I'd love it when people in church would come up and go, they need to stop taking the 10 commandments out of the courthouse. And what I always wanted to say was, can you name the 10 commandments? Because they can't. But it's easier for me to demand that the kingdoms of the world the kingdom of Canada align itself with God's will than it is for me to say, no, I'll let go of my stuff so that I can align this kingdom with God's will. It's easier for us as church people to look around and see all them who are not aligned with God's will than it is to look at myself and go, let me see all the ways I'm not aligned with God's will. Because there's something in us that says, if you would change, it would be easier for me to change. And so it's an alignment issue. But the primary battleground is ourselves. It's not the culture, it's not the world around us. Now here's what would happen. If enough of us would align our will fully with God, his kingdom would infiltrate all these places in the culture and they would all change. Because his people would be the people setting policy. His people would be the people writing legislation. His people would be the people ministering to the hurt and the broken. We can actually do that. The way we do it is we seek corporately to align our kingdoms with God's kingdom. Then we'll begin to see transformation in our own hearts and minds. Then in our behavior. Then in our homes and in our schools and our workplaces. Then in our community. Then in the entire country of Canada. And maybe from there the rest of the world. Wouldn't that be awesome? If there was like this well of transformation that was bubbling up in Sarnia, Canada that flooded the world, it happened in Jerusalem. I don't think it's impossible now here. I think we can be that. But we have to seek to align our kingdoms with God's kingdom so that we become part of his protection and his reconciliation and his provision to others. And so our practice for this series is serving, right? I'll give you the definition of serving again. Willfully laying down my time, talents, and treasures for the glory of God and the benefit of others. 
And so I wanna invite you into serving this week by bringing the nature of God's kingdom into the reality of life for yourself and others. Bring the very nature of God's kingdom into the reality of life for yourself and others. And what's the nature of it? I'll say it again. It's provision. It's reconciliation. It's protection. Find the person in your life this week that needs some measure of provision and be the source of God's kingdom provision to them. A neighbor or a friend or an acquaintance who needs. Be the source of God's kingdom provision to them. Find that person who you might be estranged from and offer God's kingdom reconciliation by living at peace with them if it's possible and as much as it depends on you. Make that phone call the one you don't want to make. Talk to the person that you try to avoid. And if they reject you, so be it. But you will not have to look in the mirror and say, I was not a source of God's reconciliation in this relationship. You'll be able to look in the mirror and say, I tried. God, I tried. They don't want your reconciliation at this moment. But I'll keep that door open. Be a source of God's kingdom protection by offering godly counsel to somebody who's confused, who's lost, who's stuck in this self-destructive pattern of habit or behavior. Speak truth into their life with grace and love so that they can find the protection of God that comes with aligning our will to his will. Offer them truth flowing from a source of love deep within you and seasoned with grace. Offer truth to those who are walking into temptation, who are living in destructive habits, who are destroying themselves. Serve others. Align your life with God's kingdom this week in those ways. And so what I want to do as we wrap up, I want us to all stand. I want us to pray the Lord's Prayer together. But as you're doing that, I want you to invite the Holy Spirit to speak to you and say, who do I need to be a source of your provision to this week? Show them to me. Ask the Holy Spirit who you need to reconcile with so that you can bring God's kingdom reconciliation into somebody else's life. Ask the Holy Spirit, who do you need to offer protection to in the form of godly wisdom and counsel? But remember this, the primary battleground in the kingdom of alignment is here. It starts here. And so if you guys don't mind, put the words to the Lord's Prayer back up on the screen. And let's all stand, and as we close our service, let's pray this together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen.